Good morning. Good morning. Hey, see those words on the screen? He is risen indeed. Um, I heard a story once about um, two men in a communist country. One was an atheist and one was a Christian. And they were going to have this debate. And the man who was not a Christian, who was a staunch communist, got up and railed for two hours about how uh, there was no God and that Christians were of the worst people in the world and to be pitied for their beliefs. And he sat down, and the Christians stood up and merely said these words. Let me see if you catch on. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And the guy said this over and over. And by saying four words and hearing this back and forth, he... Not that he needed to win the debate for it to all be true, but he, he won that debate. Um, he lowered his head in shame. But the truth of the matter is, whether that story is true or not, um, Christ is risen today. This is, um, this is one of the most remarkable days on the, on the Christian calendar, and I'm so glad that you're here to celebrate it with us. If you're visiting with us, if you wouldn't mind doing so, um, well, hello. <laughs> I was very self-conscious there for a moment, thinking, they're laughing at me. <laughs> and, and this might give you a good excuse to. At any rate, um, if you're visiting with us and you wouldn't mind, there is a QR code in the bulletin. We'd love to have you scan that. Just let us know that you're here with us today. We promise not to bother you. We just want to have a record of your attendance um, there will be no evening activities tonight. Um, I did want to point out, church family, we did uh, uh, take in more uh, for our Easter offering than uh, what our goal is. So we surpassed our offering of 6000 We gave 6160 There's still time for you to give. Um, and then finally, uh, the Krispy Kreme uh, children's fundraiser is going to start Wednesday, right, Jerry? Okay. So if you're interested in uh, a sugar high... Make sure you see Jerry or any of the kids. A couple of other final announcements. Just want you to know uh, that there's a table in the back, and on that table there's some resources. We'd love to, for you to take home with you, moms and dads. Um, there's a free book. Um, it's called Easter Stories. Even if you're visiting with us, we'd love for you to take it. Um, there's also uh, The Real Easter, if you have questions about what Easter's all about. Easter in three words. Um, if you don't own a Bible, there's a Bible back there. We'd love for you to take a Bible. You could even take one of the Pew Bibles. We'd love for you to have it. Um, and then also there is a, uh, a stack of Jesus film uh, CDs, DVDs back there. We'd love for you to take that as well. So once again, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Christ is risen indeed. Let's have a word of prayer. And then uh, our trio over here is going to lead us in a call to worship. Father, we are grateful indeed. Uh, to know that although Christ really, truly died on the cross, a brutal and horrific death, that death was not the end, uh, death could not hold him, that the grave was not the end, the grave has been defeated. Because Christ is risen, we now know for sure that those who put their faith and trust in him, their sins have been thoroughly and completely dealt with. Furthermore, we know that when we die now, death is not the end. In fact, we have not only life after death, but life 
after life after death when we are resurrected and have glorified bodies when we're together for eternity in heaven where our faith has become sight Lord bless our time together as we worship you today and as we hear from your word we pray this in Jesus name Amen
us stand together. This week, whenever I was looking for songs that talked about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's been a long time since people have written a lot of songs about the resurrection of Christ. It has been. Uh, when you think about contemporary music, of course, we can look back and see him after him after him after him after him. But when you talk about contemporary music, there's a lot of songs that talk about love and joy and peace and kindness and hope and all those things. And those are all great. But if it weren't for the fact that Jesus Christ rose again, all of those things would be out of our reach, completely out of our reach. So 
I'm going to write some guys and say, y'all need to write some songs about Jesus rising again, because uh, even the one I was playing this morning is 50 years old, so old Dallas home. Um, let's sing this song together. Christ the Lord is risen today. have an Easter egg hunt this morning? No, not yet. Not yet? Yes. Um, did you find real eggs or fake eggs? I hear a lot of people saying fake eggs. Is this a real chicken or a fake? What? Last time you brought a real dead chicken. A real dead chicken. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, 
So, y'all really don't pick this as one of my real chickens? It's, does it feel stuffed? Huh? turn this off so I can uh, y'all are right it's a battery in there um, this is a fake chicken I'm sure you probably figured that out that's right it would be running all over the place if it was real huh it just looks fake right well, what I'm here to tell you this morning is that we do not worship a fake Savior. We worship a real, bona fide, genuine, risen Savior. Huh? They're calling the chicken fake? I think they're right. Um, how do we know that we worship a real risen Savior, that he isn't fake. Because the Bible says so, that is a good answer. You know how else? The morning that uh, after Christ was beaten and whipped and even had a spear stuck in his side and he died and they took him off the cross and he was dead, dead, dead. Just like, the chicken. Just like that little dead chick I showed you guys. Y'all have such good memories. Um, <clears throat> Mary Magdalene and the other Mary and several women went to the tomb to prepare Jesus' body for burial. And they got there, and who did they find? They found Jesus. They saw with their own eyes. And then later, the disciples saw Jesus with their own eyes. And later, he appeared to over 500 people. It wasn't just a story that was written down. Jesus Christ died and he came back to life and it proved that he was God. He was the son of God. Uh-huh. I know how he came alive. How? Um, God woke him up. God woke him up. That's a very good explanation. Raised him up. You are exactly right. God raised him up. Only God himself, a supernatural God, could have overcome death and come back to life. And so he is our hope. Even before he died, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, and he told Mary, did you see it on the front of the bulletin this morning? Yes. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, 
even if he dies, he, he will live. So even if one of us dies, when we believe in Jesus Christ, we're going to come back to life. We're going to have a new resurrection body like Jesus did. I stand amazed in the presence of a holy, powerful God who overcame death. He paid the price by living a perfect life, which we cannot do. He paid that price so when we believe in what he did for us, we can go to heaven and be with God forever and ever. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for this special day when we worship you as the risen Savior. Father, we are amazed at what you did, at the plan that you had before all eternity passed. Father, thank you for these beautiful children. Thank you for this beautiful day when we come to worship you as our only hope, our risen Savior. For it's in Jesus' name who rose from the grave that we pray. Amen. 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 So for those of you who are not in the loop, this is our family's fourth Easter Sunday with y'all. And the very first Easter Sunday, uh, she scarred all the little children with a dead chicken in a box. So <laughs> if you will, open in your copy of God's Word to 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And the reason that we know that we serve a risen Savior is because, just like she said, all those people witnessed it. You could go in that day to anyone in that area and say, did you know about this? And they'd say, yeah, I've got a friend who saw it, or I saw it. Let's stand together and sing this song. Jesus lives today. He walks with me. 
have salvation in the name of Jesus. We pray this morning that as we sing and as we dig in your word, but God, that you would change our hearts. make us right that we could stand before the Father holy and justified us what we do not know and give us what we do not have. And love us so that we repent. We pray these things in the name of the only risen, powerful Savior, Jesus Christ. And God's people say,
you would please take your copy of God's Word and turn to the book of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15. If you didn't bring a, a copy of God's Word with you, uh, you should find one in the pew somewhere around you. Uh, if you'll turn to the back of it and find page 138, uh, you'll be at 1 Corinthians 15. We'll look this morning at verses 12 through 20, verses 12 through 20. If you would please stand for the reading of God's word. First Corinthians 15 verses 12 through 20 and this is the word of God. Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that He raised Christ, whom He did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins." Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Let's pray together. Lord, these are glorious truths here, focusing on the resurrection of Christ. Help us to see that if the resurrection of Christ is removed, then our faith falls apart. But because Christ is risen from the dead, then that means so much to us. Help us to be awed and wowed by the resurrection. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Paul begins this section of 1 Corinthians 15 with a question. He says, now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? Now Paul said the word proclaimed. If Christ is proclaimed, when he says the word proclaimed there, and you might think this is a distinction without a difference because he uses the word proclaim and then he uses the word preached. I'll separate those in a moment. But when he says, if Christ is proclaimed, he's talking about the act of preaching. The very act of preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. And he says, I proclaim to you Christ as risen from the dead. In fact, it's a crucial part of the good news of Jesus that he is risen from the dead. It's a non-negotiable. Look back in the earlier part of this chapter, verses 3 and 4. Paul writes here, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. This is a non-negotiable. Paul even writes in verses 1 and 2 of the chapter, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. 
just to kind of maybe combine this with what Paul is saying in verse 12. If I proclaimed it, this is Paul speaking, if I proclaimed the good news of Christ and it had the the resurrection in it and, and you received it and you believed it and you are standing in it and you're being saved by it as you hold fast to it, then why are some of you saying there is no resurrection from the dead? Notice in verse 12 it says some. It's not everyone in the church. But there were some Christians in this church who had received this truth about Christ because they had become Christians. But now they were saying that there is no resurrection of the dead. There's some potential explanations for this. Perhaps there were Gentile members of the church. Gentile means non-Jew. Some Gentile members of the church who still held beliefs that conformed to Greek mythology and Greek philosophy. For instance, with regard to Greek philosophy, the philosopher Plato taught that the human body was corrupt and evil and it should be escaped. Now the spiritual, the soul, was good. So perhaps some of these Gentile members of the church were thinking, why in the world would having escaped this corrupt body, would you want to put something good and spiritual back in it? Don't you want to be free of it? It's far better to be free of the body. With regard to Greek mythology, there were certain Greek superhero stories where the superhero would die and then he would come back to life. This might have given them a basis for being able to believe that Jesus as superhero came back to life, but for the rest of us normal, non-superhero folk, that's not going to happen to us. In other words, Christ can be raised but not everyone else. There's no resurrection of the dead, but Christ can be raised. You also think about the Jewish members of the church. And it's possible that some of these church members were influenced by a certain sect of Jewish religious leaders known as the Sadducees. And in comparison with the Pharisees, the Sadducees did not believe in a resurrection. That's why they were sad, you see. That's so bad, isn't it? But you'll always remember what Sadducee is. They don't believe in a resurrection. And it could be that they were having an influence in this church as well as this Gentile influence. But what Paul does in a very pastoral way is so instructive for us as Christians. He demonstrates that outside influences and old ways of thinking must always be evaluated in light of Scripture and in terms of their outcomes. The the grid of Scripture must always be laid over beliefs. Well, that's what Paul does here. And the conclusion he's wanting his readers to come to is that Greek philosophy and Greek mythology are not compatible with Scripture. Mixing them would lead to an outcome that undermines essential Christian truth. Now, that's as far as the Gentiles go, but you've got to think about these, these Jewish folks that were part of the church Raised knowing the Bible, they were not like the Gentiles. They weren't uneducated. But even the beliefs of Jewish religious leaders, if they in any way undermine the work of Christ, they must be discarded. In in Acts, Paul uh, and other church leaders assembled in Jerusalem because there was a belief going around that if a person was saved, 
they weren't they they were a Christian, but in order to be really saved, you had to keep the the law of Moses and you had to be circumcised. Well, they got together and they figured out, wait, this is this is not right. This undermines the work of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul's trying to get his readers to understand here. He's saying, you guys are sawing the branch off in the very branch you're sitting on. It's illogical. Something can't be true and false at the same time. To say that Christ is risen and then there is no resurrection of the dead. It's true for Christ, it's false here. It's, it's what's called the law of non-contradiction. Paul says what you're believing here is, is illogical. And he comes to this point. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. That's what he's trying to get them to see. Now, why does he do this? He kind of... Imagine this with me, and I think you'll catch what Paul's trying to do. I think we've all probably, at some point in our life, played the game Jenga. You know, you stack the wood pieces together, makes this tall cylinder, and what you do is you, is you grab one of the pieces out... And then you put it on top. You don't want the Jenga, the, the cylinder, the, the column to fall over. If Christian faith was like Jenga and you pulled out the resurrection, what would happen? Because, you know, in the game of Jenga, you don't want everything to fall. You want it to stay together. If you pulled out the Jenga piece of the resurrection, what would happen? There's th- four things, two things here. First of all, Paul says if Christ has not been raised, our ministry is worthless. Now initially, I think we should apply this point to Paul and his his team of missionaries in their apostolic ministry. That's what I mean by our there in this statement. Paul would say, our efforts in preaching the word, like, like what I'm doing right now, Our efforts in preaching the word are worthless if Christ has not been raised because what we're preaching is worthless. He says in verse 14, And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching, the content, it's not just the the fact that you're getting up and preaching. People can get up and preach as long as they have something to preach. But he says, What we preach is vain, and your faith is in vain. He says, So the ministry is worthless, Paul says, because what we preach is worthless. Furthermore, because our preaching is worthless, your faith is worthless. I have nothing to preach. You have nothing to believe in return. He says it not once but twice in verse 14. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. And verse 17 And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, futile, vain, empty, worthless. The reason it's worthless is because it's founded on a worthless testimony. Paul even says in verses 15 and 16, If Christ hasn't been raised, and we stand up and we preach that Christ is raised, verse 15, we're even found to be misrepresenting God. Because we testified... we. Understand that word testify. We bear witness about God that He raised Christ whom He did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. He says, if I stand before you 
and preach with all my might. And Christ has not been raised, then I'm making, I'm misrepresenting God. I'm not telling the truth about who He is. And there were some people that were definitely accusing Christians of doing something with the body, or they came up with different ideas or theories about what actually happened to the body. In fact, the Pharisees went to Pilate and said, you know, this man said that he was going to rise again. And Pilate said to the Pharisees, here's some troops. Go make the the tomb as secure as you can. So they wanted to make sure that the Christians didn't somehow steal the body and then proclaim that Christ had been risen. So one of the theories is is that the body was stolen. Another theory... Christ hasn't actually been raised. He only appeared to die. He just passed out. Or his disciples, what they saw was just a figment of their imagination. They didn't really see Jesus. He just was in their imaginations. Or maybe they really did see Jesus, but they didn't see the body of Jesus. They just saw a spiritual form. Paul wants us to understand is if Christ hasn't been raised, not only is his ministry worthless, but the ministry of the church is worthless. Because we, following in the steps of Paul and his missionary team, we we are missionaries in our own right. And we have a duty as Christians to share the gospel with everyone we meet. But if Christ hasn't been raised, then what are we doing here this morning? We really have no reason to be here. We're just living a lie. A second, re- uh, second thing. If Christ has not been raised, our destiny is hopeless. If Christ has not been raised, our destiny is hopeless. In our, in this phrase, I mean, talking about the church. Those who have placed their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ. If Christ has not been raised, then our destiny is hopeless. And our destiny is hopeless because we have no hope for sin. Look what Paul says in verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. In other words, Christ did nothing for you. You are condemned. Your sins, instead of being saved from them, they still have power over you. In John 3.18, Jesus says, Whoever believes in Him, talking about Himself, is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. So he's saying, you must believe in me in order to not be condemned. But he says, a person who does believe, or doesn't believe, is condemned because they haven't believed in the name of the only Son of God. Well, that makes Jesus' words so empty there if he has not risen from the dead. Why would he call on people to believe in him? Why would he call on people to put their faith and trust in him? Our destiny is also hopeless Because there's no hope for dead believers. Look at verse 18. It says, Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. There's Our destiny is hopeless because we have no hope for dead believers. Those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Now that that phrase, fallen asleep, it's a a euphemism. It's a a Christian euphemism that's pregnant with, with hope. There is within it this idea that if you fall asleep, you'll wake up. Jesus used this term... Uh, In John 11, when he raised Lazarus, he told the disciples, Lazarus has fallen asleep, I go to wake him up. They thought that really he he was taking a nap. And Jesus, if he's taking a nap, he'll wake up. Jesus said, no, wait. I want you to know this. Listen, he's dead. 
But that didn't change what Jesus meant. Fall asleep there for the Christian means temporarily dead. It's not a, it's not a final thing. It shows that there's hope of being resurrected by Christ to live in a glorified body with Him. And if there is no resurrection, that means that people don't fall asleep in death to be awakened by Christ because Christ is not alive to awaken them. No, instead, if Christ has not been raised, believers that have died have perished. And by perished, to help put this in perspective, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believed in Him should not perish. It's not talking about dying. It's talking about what happens after a person dies. And that that person not being in Christ, if a person dies and that person is not in Christ, then they're judged and sentenced to condemnation. And that condemnation will be the full wrath of God for sin for eternity. You may wish you could die, but the truth is you'll always be dying but never dead. That's what it will mean to perish. Our destiny finally is hopeless because we have no real hope in Christ. He says in verse 19, If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. We're of all people most to be pitied because our hope in Christ is only in this life because our hope died with Christ. If He's not resurrected, we have no hope. That's why Paul says in verse 32, and again, if Christ is not raised from the dead, uh, look at the end of verse 32. He says, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Let's just live it up. If Christ is not raised, let's just enjoy our time here on earth because after this is all said and done, it just gets worse from here. Paul, after doing this thought experiment, what if we remove this piece from Jenga? Then he puts it back. He says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So if we put the Jenga piece back, because you can't remove it in the first place. What then? Well, since Christ has been raised, and that means our faith is priceless. When I say our here, talking to Christians, believers, the church, our faith is priceless. We have a faith in a risen Christ who is omnipotent. His resurrection means that He won in Himself, all by Himself, complete victory over death. We have a priceless faith in a risen Christ who is the author, I'm sorry, the Son of God and the author of life. His resurrection proves that He is the Son of God. Romans 1.4 says He was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by His resurrection from the dead. Not only is He the Son of God, but death cannot hold Him as author of life. Acts 2.24 says God raised Him up loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him as the author of life to be held by death. We have a priceless faith in a risen Christ who is our great high priest. He rose from the dead so that he might apply all that he gained, the virtue of his sacrifice, to every believer at the moment they're justified. We have a priceless faith in a risen Christ who is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. First fruit simply means this. It's an agricultural term. Um, 
Israelites were, were required to bring the first part of their harvest and present it to God. It was called the first fruits. And it was a promise, there was a promise there too, that what had been brought was just the evidence that there was more to come. And Christ is the first fruits of those who has fallen asleep. His resurrection shows that we too, those of us who are in Christ, we will rise together with Him. And just as the grave could not hold Him, it cannot hold those who are in Him. We have a priceless faith in a risen Christ who is the creator of our new life. We don't recreate ourselves. He's the one who, by His power, regenerates us to new life. He sets us apart as holy. And He causes us over time to grow in that holiness. And His resurrection shows that all who put their faith and trust in Him have newness of life and are changed from that day forward, living a sanctified life on account of the the justification that Christ achieved for us. And we have a, a priceless faith in the risen Christ as the first fruits of those raised to eternal glory. Not only does Christ as the first fruits from the dead show that there is a resurrection in Christ and there's more to come, His glorified body shows that not only is He resurrected to a glorified body, those who put their faith and trust in Him will be raised to eternal glory with new and glorified bodies. Since Christ has been raised from the dead, our faith is priceless. Which one of these beliefs would you let go of? Jesus is high priest. Jesus is first fruits. Jesus is creator of new life. Jesus is our high priest. Which one of those would you let go of? Truth is, none of them, each one of them, are worthy to hold on to, to cling to, to draw hope from. Finally, since Christ has been raised, our mission is relentless. By our, I mean the church, believers. Paul in himself was relentlessly on mission for Christ. As Christians, we must do like Paul talks about here in this chapter. We must relentlessly share the gospel. We must share the truth about a risen Christ who died for sin and call on men and women, children, to believe in this resurrected Christ. We must relentlessly call sinners to repentance and faith. You can't just merely hear preaching about Jesus Christ. That's not enough. You must repent of your sin and believe in the resurrected Christ for salvation. We must relentlessly, Christians, tell the truth about Christ. We are telling the truth. When we say that Christ is risen from the dead, we're telling the truth. When we say that by virtue of His life, His death, His resurrection... That God has made a way, the only way, for people to be saved from their sins. We must relentlessly tell people that only Christ can save you from your sins. And we must relentlessly share the hope that is ours in a risen Christ. Paul says in verse 20, 
I'm sorry, verse 19. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. That is, if Christ has not been raised. But because Christ has been raised, then the opposite is true. Those who don't put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, His life, His death, His burial, His resurrection, they are the ones who are dead in their sin. I got my points backward. I apologize. I need to start that point over. We need to be relentless in our hope. Those who have fallen asleep in Christ, praise God, are now with Christ. They have life after death. They still have the hope of the resurrection to look forward to. They have the hope of a resurrected body after they have come to be with Christ after death. And finally, the point that I skipped to, I apologize. We as the church must relentlessly warn the perishing. Because the truth is that those who have fallen asleep in their sins have perished. No hope. We must relentlessly share our hope and warn the perishing. Tell the truth about Christ. Call sinners to faith and repentance. We must be relentless. Because since Christ has been raised... We're to be relentlessly on mission. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And that changes everything. You must believe it in order to have life. Apart from believing in a resurrected Christ, you can have no life. I can't put it any plainer than that. So in closing, I call on you, if you have never understood this before, and you know now the Holy Spirit is moving in your heart telling you this is true, and this is an opportunity for you to lay hold of what God has done in Christ that you might be saved. Don't push it to the side today. Hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. He's calling you to repentance. He's calling you to put your faith in this resurrected Christ. He's calling you to life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that the grave could not hold you, that death was not final for you. And that changes so much. Changes so much for us. There's life. There's hope in you. If, there was, if we could have gotten together the brightest minds in all of human history and thought, how, could, how can we work together for the salvation of man? We would have never come up with this. You sending your own son to die in our place that we might have life. But how backwards fallen humans are thinking what is good is what is right and what ought to be done. But you knew our need. And because you knew our need, you sent precisely what was needed. A perfect sacrifice. A risen Savior. Lord, call people to yourself. In Christ's name, amen. We're going to have a short time of response. 
Should you need for any reason to make any sort of response this morning, you'll have more questions about what does it mean to be a Christian. I'll be down front. We won't tarry long. So if the Lord's working on your heart, please move at, at the beginning of the song. Otherwise, we'll bring our service to a close and we'll be dismissed so we can all enjoy time with our family. Let's stand together. So good to have you uh, join us for worship. Those of you who aren't normally part of us, realize some of you are from out of town. It's so good to see so many familiar faces and to know that uh, hopefully I can remember your name when you come Christmas and Easter. I'm not making fun of you in any way, but I just know some of you from out of town and, and you come. And it's just so good to see uh, you, you folks here. If you're a Cherokee person, we, we'd love to have you back. Uh, please, please continue to come back be a part of our worship service. Before we leave, we're going to uh, sing uh, our way out of the service. We're going to sing, it's the chorus from uh, He Arose, right? Sure. Oh, did I not tell y'all that we were doing that? Hey, okay, we'll skip that. Okay. Tell me what page. I don't know. Macy said she'd come sing it. No, she didn't. That's what she just said. How about praise God from whom all blessings flow? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures.